You know, I I told this story to to Toby. Now he's at the age where he understand a little bit about this, this story <laughs> about a man on a boat. Tell him the the story, like how we were yeah. staying in the camp, and you don't get to ask what's what is for breakfast. Ask the poutine. This is the poutine. Fries, cheese curds, and chicken gravy. This is the poutine. Hi everyone, it's your host Nina from Pass the Poutine Podcast. Today is a very special episode because I get my two older brothers who are refugees from Vietnam and they share their story being trapped on a boat for 30 days to Hong Kong. Please enjoy the episode. Hey Miller, welcome to the podcast. Hello Nina, how are you doing today? I'm good bro, how are you? Oh, I'm not too bad, thank you. Yeah, so I was thinking today we can talk about your refugee story. I try to talk to Vietnamese people, understand their story, but you know, I'm, I'm usually talking to people that are around my age and were just born and raised in Canada. We talk about how we don't really fit in because we kind of have two identities. You actually were born in Vietnam. Not only that, you were one of the boat people that went to you know Hong Kong or Malaysia. Yes, that's me. Yeah, so I was wondering if you can tell me a little bit about the story. So at this time, you were five when mom and dad and Philip decided to go leave with me. Yeah, well, you know, in search of a better life, that's the, how we like to put it. Can you remember what year that was? 1986. And at that time, you were five years old or six years old? I was six years old, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, at 1986, people will say the war is already over at that time. So what, what was the reason for you guys to leave? Well, the war was officially ended in 1973, if I remember correctly. So after the war ended, the Americans, they did something which is a lot worse than the war, which is they put sanction into Vietnam. So Vietnam is not allowed to trade with any Western country. The only country that Vietnam could trade with is Iran, uh, Russia, China, Cuba, and North Korea. Kim Jong-il, my cousin there. Was there, a <laughs> was there a lot of trade between Vietnam and North Korea? There is, but the sad thing is there's nothing to trade with them. What do you mean? Like the North Koreans don't have much? No. I mean, like uh, uh, all of those countries just get off the war themselves. Mm -hmm. And all of them are also being sanctioned. Right. It's kind of like a bunch of like, you know, uh, out outcasts in like high school that they can only hang out with each other they can hang out with anybody else you know what i'm saying those five group of people that's always in the corners are doing smoking and drugs and all this crazy stuff <laughs> yeah. so can you describe uh, the scenario so mom was prepping you and philip philip who is our older brother two yeah. two years older than you yeah did, did you know you were gonna go flee the country we sort of know but we don't know the gravity of yeah. of what it what it what it meant, right? We don't know that we might not make it, right? We don't know we're gonna be on the sea for twenty eight days. Exactly, we don't know it's gonna be on thirty, and we don't know. Like, most well, of us never be on a boat. Wait, so. wait, just real quick. I didn't know you, Philip. You were drugged, Miller. Were you drugged? A little bit too, yeah. So you guys were drugged just so they can carry your bodies somewhere? Well, or? well the, the, the drug is they concerned. So the, the running away is you are going to be on a little boat. It's like 10 feet. So you're pretending to, to just go fishing. A rowboat. Right. So the, the main reason why we are drugged is because the like adult were concerned that we might cry. And then we wanted to go home. 
Oh. So that would take off the coast guard. Yeah, yeah. You can't have you guys like exactly. like you can't be like a barking dog. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So. so that's the main reason. Now, just to let you know that if we get caught, which I think Dad get caught a few times, it's a one years in jail. We have to ride on a little little boat. I think that thing is like ten feet. So we have to get on that and then meet on a bigger uh, sailboat, which is like twenty feet. I think our boat is what like twenty. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty short. Yeah, yeah, like it—it it just have—it's um, yeah. a sailboat. It doesn't yeah. have an engine. Thirty days on a boat, Philip. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. So, like, uh, what do you what do you remember from that experience? Well, I just remember the Miller he asked for fur on the first night in the boat. <laughs> <laughs> when can he we was, go home? He was crying to mom and asked for fur. <laughs> <laughs> like, so how will we sleep on the boat? So there's like just a little bed right between the boat like wood so there's five people sleeping in there and then four men sleeping on the outside so like mom sleep right in the middle and then i sleep uh, next to her no actually she she's sleeping yeah she's in nice and then i sleep next to her and then philip he is the older he has to sleep on the outside <laughs> how was that sleeping on the outside philip do you were scared you're gonna fall into the ocean no, it's 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 just that when when he sleep on the edge on the outside, right? So so half of the side is all is cold. See, I sleep in the middle, so there's heat on both sides. Oh. So when I wake up in the morning, it's just open sea. I mean, like like I just see water all around, all around. So what happened is uh, we were running out of food and water pretty quickly. We was using the sail of the boat to capture rain water and we were begging for for food because we actually running through a lot of uh, Chinese fishermen and they was giving us uh, food too you know and we were also asking for fresh water from big shipping shipping uh, liner which is a lot of them were I guess from our, uh, our American company they actually you know give us fresh water too we actually asked some of the big shipping company from the state to take us as uh, refugee, but they don't, they don't want to do that. Yeah, it took us 28 days. And I still remember one of the TAM, which is uh, we were sailing through the island called the Hainan Island. So what happened is when you are sailing through the water which is floating fast and then is is, is uh, reaching out into the sea is created this swirl and uh, our little sailboat could not make that swirl those are the there's actually a, a like nickname for that area if you are on a boat that is uh, less than 30 feet there's a very good chance that you will become fish food because you can make it through that. So on that day, we were, we were asked to give all our possession to the fishermen and they was asking a bigger shipping boat to, to pull us through that. It was a rainy day on that day too. So you guys had to give everything you had to get past that... That little swirl in the, in the ocean. So what 
what was included in the possessions? Like, what did you guys even bring on the boat? Precious gold. I mean, it's the only thing that, you know, mom have left. Uh, ring. So what kind of gold? Like, are you talking gold bricks? Like, yeah. uh, No, just like the rings and the necklace. It's just the last, uh, the last uh, possession that, that we have. Yeah. yeah, we have to give it all up. Yeah. So what was it like living in the refugee camp? Can you remember? <laughs> oh, no. Like vaguely, yeah. I was I was only like what ten, ten, yeah, thing, nine, ten. This looked like um a cam. Right? That's what it looks like. <laughs> I remember a lot of uh, fence, like wire yeah, fence. fence. We were staying in a couple of um different cam, different cam. But the first one I remember the most is uh, it was like an island, right? Oh, now, no, no, So, so the the yeah. first one we get into a island is for the quarantine. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, right? they so really they really quarantine. It's exactly they like you watch those Auschwitz camp with the Nazi, yeah. right? Everybody's stripped. They hose you down. Wait, naked with no clothes? Naked, and man and woman too. They let the they let people yeah. see naked children. Like Na- naked, everyone. Yeah. Uh, how, how did it feel getting hosed, like stripped naked and being hosed down? No, I just remember they put a lot of chemical on you. And yeah, you, they, ha- you have a little bit. And then they spray it all down outside. Yeah. Yeah. Like some of this, I don't remember what it, what it yeah. was, but this white stuff they put in your yeah, hair. Yeah, chemical, yeah. And then they rub that all over your body. Yeah. It's like very strong odors, like Clorox or whatever, like very yeah. hot cleaning stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, like for me, for so, so for me, uh, I'm so young, so I don't have no shame because I, uh, most of the time I'm naked running around the boat anyway, right? So, <laughs> yeah, so you're right. Yeah, so the first couple of days they sort of like wash you down pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they give us food, and then we can sleep on a bed that doesn't move. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it, it's a strange feeling. Yeah, that, that's that's correct because. You were on the boat for so long, like 30 days, especially like people that are like not a fisherman. When you first get on the boat, your mom was like seasick for the whole month. Oh, yeah, she yeah. was like yeah, she lying the whole month, throwing up. She doesn't up. know how to but swim. But anyway, she to, to, yeah. to her, uh, her young son who doesn't know how to swim either on the boat <laughs> in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. Imagine that, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, the first night where you're not sleeping on the boat, this kind of feel kind of weird. Yeah. All of us, we sleep in um, sort of you think, imagine two bunk beds, sort of pushed together. You no, know, pushed together. So basically, we have two adult, two kid, with nine, nine and seven, yeah. sleeping in one in in the two bunk bed. So it's like a so, four by eight sheet. Yeah. So we have people below us, people above us, and people beside us, yeah. and it look like a, just a curtain that separate us. Yeah. So it's not like mm-hmm. you know luxurious. Yeah, yeah, and then. It sounds like a hostel I stay in every time I backpack Asia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, kind, kind of like that. But, yeah. you know, the living condition is tough, right? I mean, now that looking back, it's, but then I think more importantly is, is the unknown, right? Of all the family that stay in the camp. Like, what's next for us, right? So some people stay in the camp for quite a long time, so... Like, well, what what are you considering long? Like three years, four years. Yeah, Wasn't that what years. happened to you guys? You guys stayed there for like four years. Yeah, but we were considered um, quick to to move out of the camp because you know 
because we 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 were a family. Now some people, <laughs> some people, they stay in the camp for six, seven, eight, nine, even ten years, and a, a lot of them got sent back too. In a camp, I, I witnessed a fight. Like, yeah, that was like, it was yeah. a crazy, crazy in, fight. I I saw it in my own eye. Like there was a guy who got yeah. stabbed, like a movie. and his, his gut was was like falling out. How, how he was running around with, with his, his gut with his gut hanging out and was grabbing a pillow. Like there was kid around the witness all this graphic sort of yeah. things. I can't even see that stuff in movies. Yeah, I saw it too. Yeah. Yeah. There was there was a, a lot of fighting yeah. like after a while just get desensitized I guess. Yeah. And then the food there too. I mean like, oh, like people actually so they get the food I think and then they recook it, right? I don't know if yeah, you remember, they yeah, burn plastic. So in a cam, imagine like um, like a warehouse kind of, uh, where there's like, you know, dozen and dozen of bunk beds in there. Like it could be a hundred people in that like little warehouse. And people actually built burning plastic. You know, the pl- those plastic bags as a source of fuel for them to recook their food because this, the food was so bad. And so yeah, you people like inhaling <laughs> burnt plastic, and not just one. They just, you know, those. So imagine those can like you imagine like about, um, like the peach, like canned peach size. About you know, I don't know. Like a larger size can. Like a larger size can. That's what they they use it to to make like a little burning apparatus for them to. Like a stove. I remember you were telling me a story about how you got your English name, Philip. Can you retell that story? Yeah, so I think there was one period where they don't have a classroom in a camp, so they put a bunch of kids on a school bus and they, they took us somewhere where there's actually a classroom. I think they only do that program for like two or three weeks. But anyway, you go to... um a class and then the teachers just sort of give you name English name uh, so that's how I got my English name it's kind of stuck with me well, why did she pick Philip specifically do you remember I don't know she just, just called me up and then said you're Philip that's it <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, and I and decades later you're still Philip yeah kind of stuck yeah. but that, that was fun I think that that's the most memorable part of the cam is is, is you get on a bus and you go to school because as a kid that's feel normal right you go to school when right? in Vietnam that's you feel normal so you, when you take that you, that part out of a kid you, it's like kid don't even know how to you know, go to school it's just so uh, like I said they only do that for like a couple of weeks and then you go back to the camp and then just a lot of free times free play yeah so uh, i think one of the interesting thing is inside the camp itself we we have quite a bit of services too you know there's like an underground loan shocking you know market you know you, you can trade oranges and for cigarettes and you know for, for food nice was there also underground like gambling they do vietnamese they do. people yeah. man everywhere you go gambling. there's always that there's always that the asian and the gambling yeah. That thing goes hand in hand, and that usually at the end is what leads to all the violence. Yeah. That that guy who got the guts, yeah, he yeah. was probably like a dealer or exactly. owe some loan shark yeah, exactly. money, hey? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah, obviously there's a lot, lot of worst thing that happened. Yeah. 
but because like we are only a kid so we probably don't know yeah. maybe at night there's a lot of things that's going on a lot of no, shit going prostitution. on prostitution that we don't know um, but obviously it's exactly like one of the um, movie in uh, the Chinese movie supposedly if you bring her on like Apple you can do whatever you want mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah so I mean it's like crazy. you compare that childhood to a kid that grew up here in Canada <laughs> were there any significant events that you remember that happened during that time at the camp like anything that stood out Mostly, it's just a lot of fight. It's, it's just a lot of fight. It's a lot of violence. In front of the kids? In front of the kids. In front of everybody. Uh, I still remember there was that one day. Uh, so on that day, I think uh, the the camp got a lot of toys that has been given by, I mean, it was been donated by the people in Hong Kong. So what happened is uh, on that day when they were starting giving up the toy, the, the people inside the camp, they just break it right through. It just steals everything. And then they have to call on the riot police to come in. Over some toys? Over toys. Toys for the children. Toys for the children. And was it like that scene in, you know, like Jingle All the Way with Arnold? Yeah. Where they exactly try to get like the that. Turbo Man yeah, and exactly everyone like in the, the store, they're just like going crazy yeah, exactly and ripping like toys from other people's hands? Yeah, they're, they're, actually, Jeez. we are more violent than that. Yes. Oh, yes. my gosh. Yeah, just, just, just over some used toys, too. I mean, it's, oh not, it's nothing brand new. Not even Turbo Man. Not even Turbo Man. Yeah. How did you guys feel when you knew the end of the camp was happening and you finally got on the plane? Did you know it was Canada? Did you know what Canada was? So, yeah, that is another memorable moment. For us, uh, we got interviewed to go to Canada. And I still remember that day, me and Philip and Dad, we actually went out to Hong Kong and, and, like, and like buy suits. So you guys are allowed out in Hong Kong. Yeah, you just on, live in the refugee camp. Yeah, on the on the last year. Yeah. So the years before that, you're not allowed to leave. No, no the year before that, you're not allowed to leave. Okay. Yeah, they would have to vet the the like people before they were uh, allowed to uh, get out. Mm-hmm. Because most of the Vietnamese, when once they get out of the camp, they start going stealing stuff. So yeah. well, yeah, they might not come back to the camp, right? <laughs> yeah. If I was, I wouldn't yeah. go back to the camp if I was could go out in Hong Kong. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wait. So you guys went out, and then so you, Dad, and Philip went out to get suits. Yeah. Yeah, yes. So where did dad get money to get to buy you guys suits? Oh yeah, well our father, uh, he was starting to work for the United Nations as a translator. Translate what to what? Uh, English to v- Vietnamese. He actually learned it uh, him, himself with a dictionary. In Vietnam or where did he learn In it? In Hong Kong actually. Okay. Yeah, he was a very smart man. And he's also doing a lot of uh, helping a lot of the Vietnamese with their paperwork too. Because most of the Vietnamese, when they when they went to Hong Kong, they don't bring any kind of identification, and the reason why they don't, supposedly, if they got caught in the sea by the Vietnamese Coast Guard, then they can just claim to not have a name, and there's nothing. So to spare the family of the embarrassment, because usually, 
if you bring any kind of uh, paperwork, they will trace you back to your family and then they will shame the family too. I still remember one day in the camp, so we, there, there was this guy who have a TV and he is actually charging for the people to watch his TV. I think it's, it's so me back in the those days we don't have any money so we were just sneaking around standing really really far to watch that tv but we are not paying right so what he did is he was throwing glass bottle at us and at i kids are yeah, you kids? kids and i actually got cut on my uh, uh, i was actually got cut on one of those on one of those uh, glass bottle where'd you get cut on the side of my feet he oh. was thrown on the ground. It's, it's just it's shattered. shattered. Yeah. And then Dad found out he was so he was so pissed at the guy throwing the bottle. At the guy throwing the bottle. What and did then, Dad do? Our Dad is super angry. Yeah. And super then, angry Vietman. And lucky for me, he actually went out and bought a TV. Dad. Yeah. Wait, when did he do that? Yeah, which is like at the last at the last year. And back in those days, a TV. Is expensive. I was just gonna say it's like three months of wages in Hong Kong. Why did Dad burn three months of wages in Hong Kong? He doesn't want to see his son got uh, got glass bottle thrown just because I want to watch some some TV. <laughs> did you did you feel like Dad was that that was Dad saying I love you to you? Of course, I mean like, and then after that we were so popular, eh? We, well, everyone uh, wants to be your friend now, exactly. right? Exactly, you're they the dudes with the TV. TV. But the only condition about that is Dad saying I'm not allowed. Me and Philip are not allowed to allow anybody to watch it. Why? Well, you guys could have charged people just like that other guy did. We could we hustler could. spirit, man, we entrepreneurship. Could. Yeah. We why did dad stop that? Dad should have recuperated yeah. his uh, cost for the TV. Yeah. Well, I mean, like the one funny thing with the TV back in those days, you only, you only have like two channels. <laughs> so, two is better than zero, right? Exactly. <laughs> so uh, on those times too, so me and Philip, we were just staying home to watch TV like all day long. I think uh, like we would never leave like two of us leaving the TV by itself, we always, one of us have to stay back. The reason being is we were afraid somebody would come in and stole the TV. Oh, so. for sure. Someone would steal the TV yeah. if you guys left it. But also, I don't know how much like an eight-year-old can guard a TV, you know? Like if, if I wanted to steal something from an eight-year-old, I could probably do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, so you guys got all your suits, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then you went back and then how, what was that like? So dad was giving us a piece of paper, I think with like 50 questions on them, you know, it's like, where are you from? What do you do at this age? Which school you go to? You know, what do you like to eat? You know, and what do you like and this and that. And I still remember some of those questions. But lucky for me, uh, dad was working for the United Nations. So pretty much, I think we already pre-approved uh, for coming to Canada, right? You know, so we, dad speaks English so he can get a job pretty easily once, once, he, once we go and yeah. We still, I still have the picture of the four of us, me, Bill, and mom and dad. We, like we, all three of us in suit and mom was in a white dress. That's the interview. To that's so that's the I interview still remember too. that question. How are you? I'm 10 years old. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and your English has improved so much, Miller. Oh, thank you. 
And you know, Dad was said this. This is important. We we know that was important that interview. And I think right after the interview, I think they give us a response right away. They said, "Yeah, you guys are going." So we were pretty happy then. And I don't know from that time until I mean, uh, that month weeks before we get to. I think we we went to Montreal. So we were pretty excited to get on the airplane. Right. No, no. I think the I think the like interview after the interview we have to wait for another year. Not year that long. Yeah, I think the interview was taking the place in Samsui, Bo. I think, and then we are moving to Bon uh, Sao. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. yeah. So so. Memories so. really good, Miller. Of course, Chinese. All the all the good Chinese food. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So after we got accepted, I think the camp was loosened up a little bit, right? They're closing the camp. They're closing the camp. They and are they moving move, everybody yeah. to a temporary camp and to another temporary camp. And then yeah, they, yeah. and then they turn away all the new the new river, boat. The new boat. Away. Well, actually, the new boat they were sending them to an island somewhere, right? Right. Because uh, what happened is the the Chinese government, well, I guess the Hong Kong government was uh, running out of. Patience and money with all these refugees, kind of like the Syrian refugee kind of like thing. Uh, so there was like, you know, what we cannot afford because there's a lot of people coming, right? You know, after people comes and they go to Canada and the U.S. and then they wrote the letter home to their family in Vietnam. Everybody want to go. So do you guys remember the moment when you like got on the plane? Like, have you guys ever been on an airplane before that? I have been, but I don't think Miller been. <laughs> <laughs> Your first time on a plane, Miller, going to Canada from yeah, Hong Kong. Yeah, Philip got to fly to Saigon. Like that, yeah. Why yeah. did you get to go to Saigon? No, not Miller. I'm a firstborn son, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> firstborn son privilege. Yeah. Well, yeah, the flight to Canada was was That's freaking long flight. Was long flight, but we, so when we first landed in Montreal, I still remember Dad brought a few things with him. Like a stereo or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, he sold the stereo. Oh yeah, so we stay we stay in a hotel. They put it in a in a quite nice hotel, right? Compared to our standard. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we were like, I don't I don't remember where we were, but it was kind of near downtown, of yeah. in and around Montreal. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So and that ex- I think he sold his stereo ex- for yeah. some money and yeah, go we'll walk around like well, it was it was different feeling for sure when you yeah. outside of the camp I mean like, I still remember when when we first landed in uh, in uh, Montreal there's beautiful snow and I was like wow so nice was that the first time you've ever seen snow in real life yeah I mean like the the <laughs> only thing I've seen snow is when I was in Vietnam watching all those uh, Russian movies you know like the communists you know that's all we can see you know all those lovebirds chasing each other on the snow and hug each other rolling on the snow and eating the snow and eating and kissing each other I just wonder what it tastes like the first thing I see the snow just grab and eat and I was like what <laughs> well I mean on, on TV it tastes you know, but anyhow so and after like a week it's like well the snow is still there you know <laughs> What was your first experience with snow, Philip? I mean, I I don't remember that first day with snow, but then we 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 got to live in Laval, so we that snows every that winter. winter. I mean, like, we like snow was like every day, everywhere. Okay, now to your knees. Now, just yeah. to make clear on the topic here, now the reason why we go to Laval is because on the way flying to Hong Kong actually we actually got immigrated to Canada with our uncle's family to Kiene. Yeah. 
Shout out to Jukien. Yeah, shout out to Jukien. My favorite. Peace. Rest in peace. Rip. Yeah. So what happened is on the way flying to Canada, our father and Jukien had a fight on the plane. So when we landed in Vancouver first, our father proposed a plan to Jukien. We cannot stay at the same city, even though we landed at the second biggest. City in Canada, also best city in the world. Yeah, and then uh, Dad was telling to to Kian, if you are staying here, I'm gonna move. Okay, and then to Kian is like best city in the world. Of course, I'll stay. And so that is the decision that you know led us to go move to Laval, Quebec for two freaking years, shoveling snow. And then after that, you know, our father misses his brother so much. You have to drive all the way back from Montreal to Vancouver. Yeah, I was actually born in Quebec, and then, yeah. but I grew up in Vancouver, so I actually have no idea what it's like to live in Quebec, and I don't yeah. speak French or anything like that. Yeah. So actually, I have I have a lot of memories in Quebec. Actually, um, that's that's when I fall in love with, you know, Canada's sport hockey. So I don't know if Miller remember, but there was a park. Just, just yeah, yeah, behind yeah, yeah, where yeah, we yeah. left, I remember and that in the winter, yeah. they put an ice ring in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Part. And then all the kids, um, you know, they went like even like seven, eight, nine o'clock at night time. Right, yeah. at night time, yeah. just yeah. threw the stick in the middle of the ring, and then they just randomly throw the stick on two pile. That's the team. I never heard of hockey until I come to Canada, right? So I was like, yeah, ten. It's like barely learn how to skate. Was freezing my butt off playing outside, but like now you haven't been in school for like what four or five years or something, mm-hmm. and finally you're in Canada. I'm assuming they put you in school. Yeah. What was that like to finally be in school so again? So we went to the school that me and my brother is the only one that is Asian. So everyone was white. Everyone was white. I don't uh, know people listening. People that don't really know Quebecois. White people are kind yeah. of famous for being racist, super racist. Yeah, but uh, I mean, for for me coming out from the camp, I mean, what I do during in the camp for four years is we just go and steal stuff from beating up little kids. Right, and you're then, bullies. And then in our really spare time, we just beat up each other. You know, there's nothing else better to you, do. You guys are rough. Yeah, so I still remember on the first week of school, there was this guy who was coming up to me and speaking, and then he had this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he was putting his face pretty close to my face, and then obviously coming from the camera, just whack him in the face right away, and then he just hold his face and cry like a little baby, and I was like, "That's it! Come on, stand up and fight like a man." Miller's right? like, I've I spent four months. In a refugee camp fighting. I've yeah. seen guts being spilled from exactly. men's stomachs. I've spent 30 days yeah. on a boat not knowing if I'm going to live or die. If a white kid wants to come up at my face and yeah. come at me, yeah. come at me. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, like, and then and then just one just one hit on his face and I got to go to the principal's office. And What was that like? Because you probably didn't speak the language. No, I don't. And so I was like, I was trying to explain to the principal. It's kind of like in what language were you speaking Vietnamese to the principal? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> You're like Chuai. Yeah, I was like Chuai ke thang nai nam nai. I was like, yeah, that is what I do in the camp. I mean, like, like if you have something to say to me, so so close. I mean, we have to take it physical. That's all, you know. And then after that, who 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 win? 
that that person will become that guy's bitches. That's all. I mean, like that's it. You know, just, just, but I learned quickly that that's not the way it works outside of the camp. Yeah. So that must have been a really big culture shock coming to Canada, hey? Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. well I think like like for me, it was really lonely. Right? You know, what was I, lonely? Well, you know, when I came, I don't have any friends. I don't speak the language. I don't know what to do. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. like nowhere to go. It's cold. It's freaking cold. Quebec is super cold. I mean, like it's 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 cold. Mm-hmm. I mean, like uh, like like coming from Vietnam, it's a tropical climate. In Hong Kong, it's kind of, it's kind of like tropical too. And and then you come to Canada, and then it's like minus like thirty. And then there's like uh, uh, like five five feet of snow. I mean, like like really, who who live in a place like that? Yeah, so I mean, after two years of Laval, Quebec, we actually moved back to Vancouver. Did you guys ever like consider staying there longer, or you just couldn't take the cold? Is that why we left? I don't think that was our decision. It's more like that decisions, right? I think it's the cold number one, and number two is is the language, right? Yeah. I think Dad want us to learn English, but then. We can barely speak French, so they can. He cannot ask the school to, to, to put us in English program. Uh, I think that's that's what I think. I don't know what. Uh, uh, I, I think there's one more reason too, because most of the Vietnamese refugees actually stays in Vancouver. So most of Dad's friend is actually in Vancouver. We drove back, me and Dad and Philip. We drove like yeah. The three of you guys drove from Quebec to Vancouver. Yeah. Where was I? You were flying, Nina. Princess. Yeah, you I'm got a princess. special treatment. Yeah. I got to fly from Quebec to Vancouver with mom, and you guys had to drive. And the reason you guys drove was because we couldn't afford yeah. the, the plane tickets, right? Yes, Is that that's what? That's exactly right. Yeah. 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 It was very difficult. Because plane, plane tickets back then were the same price as they are today, but the money was like yeah. so much different. Well, I mean, if you could do the math like this, so you say, if you think about an uh, an average house in Vancouver back then, it's less than $100,000. Really? Yeah. Holy crap. And then the ticket, the plane ticket is like $2,000. That's crazy. Yeah, so you do the math on that. So and now the house is like what two million dollars, and the plane ticket is like two hundred bucks. <laughs> so how do you think this refugee experience has affected your life? I was really young, so I don't I don't have the full capacity to understand the magnitude of that thing, which is our mom went through and our father went through. Right, you know, you're risking your life and the life of your children for a better life. For the chance at a better life, for not even a better, a life, better life, right? So now there is a story on the ocean that, you know, people got pirated. Actually, one of my friends, she her boat got pirated. Uh, they robbed her boat and uh, what does that what does that mean pirated explain so there was this uh, fisherman boat that just get onto our boat and, and start robbing us you know with knives and stuff like you that. guys or her boat her boat yeah uh, uh, so her story was a really sad story so she was one of nine kids on the boat by the time they get to Hong Kong there's only two kids left eight perish and she was one of the two that survived. 
was a terrible story for her. Did she say how they died or what happened? Well, I guess uh, at that age, if you are, if you are under the age of three, there is like a seventy percent chance that you're gonna die on the boat, right? Because you're out in the element, there's no food. Right, you got seasick. You probably gonna because it's cold at night too. There's no heat. You might get to hypothermia, hunger, and that's how you die. There's a lot of story like that, which uh, which a lot of people they don't they don't understand. Did anything else affect you now as an adult looking back, or? Uh, well, for me, it's just, it's a part of my life. I was really young, so it doesn't affect me that much. For me, just like a boat ride 35 years ago. I mean, like I still remember the boat ride and the jellyfish, and and I miss the food. Vietnamese food when I, when I was on the boat. But, you know, since coming to Canada, I think, so I left in 86. And the first time I went back to Vietnam is in 1996, if I remember correctly. For me, I just have a memory of it, but it doesn't affect me. But for sure, for our mom and dad, it affected them. And any, any adult who are running away from Vietnam on a boat, because there's horror story happening on the boat, you know, there is like rape, murder, you know, I mean, like you name it, it's, it's all happening on the like bigger boat. Our boat is a really smaller boat, so there's less of, of those incidents, but I heard that there's boat that there's like 300 people on there and all kind of horror story, you name it, it's on there, yeah, yeah. pretty scary. It's pretty. It's pretty intense experience, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, thank you guys for uh, risking your lives, and all the suffering, so I can be a spoiled brat and be born and raised in Canada. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, like, like one thing that I take uh, away from communism is, uh, is, 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 don't be a communist. <laughs> <laughs> So how do you think that kind of living in the refugee camp, being on the boat for 30 days, how has it uh, impacted you as a, a person today? Now looking back, I think you appreciate what you have more. When you were in the camp, you just sort of, everything just happened. Like there's things, there's things going on pretty much every day. You know, you see people fight all the time, yeah. stealing. A lot of yeah, stealing, yeah. a lot of stealing, a lot of fighting. Is because yeah. you are putting people in such a s confined space. Well, it just make you not to take things for granted, right? I mean, like I said, I was too small. You don't know, but you're thinking beyond a boat, like for thirty days. You never know what's gonna happen, right? Like we don't know. We we were not part of that decision making. But you were just a kid. Your parents decide you go. Okay, you pack, you go, and then. Thank, thank you, Philip. All right, you asked for it. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna document all of this. I'm gonna write our family a buoy memoir, yeah. pass it down. 
Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Pass the Poutine Podcast. Thank you to my brother, Miller, for sharing this really deep story. Yeah, pleasure is all mine. Yeah, and thank you, Philip, for the sound bites. He's not here right now, but uh, thank you to my other brother Mm -hmm. because this is a a big thing. Anyways, I will see everyone on the next episode. Bye. Pass the Poutine. Pass the Poutine.